New Year, everybody. Welcome to this Blue Moon Podcast New Year treat. We're starting 2024 in style. I'm Sam Rosbottom, and I'm here to guide you through this selection of festive games that have featured in our City Heaven, City Hell series over on the Blue Moon Podcast Patreon. All of the matches we're focusing on today were played during the Christmas period, and they all feature a City fan and an opposition fan giving their memories. In the full format of this show for Patreon backers, each of the fans would nominate a heaven and a hell choice from fixtures between the two teams. But this is a bit of a highlights reel, taking in a whistle-stop tour of some of our previous City Heaven, City Hell episodes. We're going to start with City Heaven against Sheffield United. David Mooney is joined here by City fan Murd and Blades fan Mark. We're going back to the 1st of January 2002. It finished Sheffield United 1, City 3. Uh, going into this game, City was second in what is now the Championship in Division 1. Uh, they were one point behind Burnley, who were top. Sheffield United, meanwhile, was 16th, 10 points above the relegation zone and 10 points off the playoffs. Uh, the goals in this game are here. This is the action. Kevin Hullock, very deliberate before guiding it over. Aims towards one chop and Gota gets the touch and Manchester City leader Bravo Lee. Dub encouraged forward by City's travelling faithful. Gota leaves it. Berkovic! And it's 2 now. Michael Brown. Well, we're in stoppage time. But it's given the home side hope. Now right Phillips. Leading the charge. One chop up with him. Back to right Phillips. Well, a glimmer of hope maybe only for Sheffield United because City have won it now. There we have it. Murd, why uh, Why this game? I, 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 I think I suspect why, um, but but tell us why. I'm under pressure now to hopefully <laughs> matches your expectation. Um, it, this game, above all the others, encapsulates that Keegan season for me. So when I talk to people about the Kevin Keegan season, people are maybe a little bit too young. I talk to them about just the sheer abandon that Keegan went into that season. So you'd turn up at games and you'd be looking at the team sheet and going, right, so where are the defenders? <laughs> okay, so where, where are the midfielders? Because he'd have Gota, he'd have Wonchop, Berkovic, Benabia, Wright Phillips, Huckabee. I remember in one game he played them all. Uh, we won 3-0. Um, but that game, I remember it was New Year's Day. We travelled and we were all a bit rough. Um and the, remember, uh, we we saw the team line up, and when the teams came out and we started to play, what we realised was that Keegan, <laughs> Keegan had decided to play Sean Wright Phillips in midfield, and not just attacking midfield, actual midfield, where he had proper defensive duties as well. And we thought, well, this will be interesting. But also, we'd gone into that game and a certain Sheffield United manager at the time, Mark, do you mind telling the audience who that was? That was uh, Mr Neil Warnock. <laughs> Mr Neil Warnock. So you know what's coming next. He'd been very vocal about Manchester City throughout all that season, uh, as had Dave Jones at Wolves, by the way, but Warnock more than most. And he'd been giving it quite a lot uh, in the in the pre-match conference uh, conferences and in the press conferences. And uh, he basically it was intimidated City. Obviously, he was very clear on what his players were going to do to our players. He was very clear on why we were at the top of the league. And it was only down to the fact that we'd got the best manager and uh, he, we'd spent 
what was considered them a lot of money. Basically, a lot of needle going into that game. Uh, and you would be forgiven for thinking, well, Keegan's just going to go in, get the 1-0 win, even though it's it's against the grain for him, uh, and we'll win it. When he named that side and we saw that Goethe was in there, one shot, Berkovic, right, Phillips, and he thought, right, OK, Andy's playing wing-backs as well. He's just going to go for it. And we were all a bit worried that Warnock was going to have his day. It didn't pan out like that. And, and actually, it was, as I was going to say, the standout, one of the standout performances of what was a brilliant season. We scored 100-odd goals, but that game and Sean Wright-Phillips ran the game from central midfield from a really deep position, which for a tiny guy who was a winger was incredible. Uh, and we knew from then on, we knew from then on, uh, but the football we played w- was incredible. And actually, I, I was looking about, looking up about this game the other day um, when I was speaking to David and Huckabee didn't even start that game, but he brought him on. Yeah. So we brought him on and he didn't take off another attacker. He, he took off like Danny Tiato, one of the wing-backs, and brought on Darren Huckabee just to really add fuel to the fire. And it was just quite incredible. And I think that game was very, very symptomatic of that entire season and Keegan's entire approach to that division is, was, we're going to score six. If you score five, great, but we're going to beat you. Uh, and it was just an amazing performance. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I thought, uh, I, I genuinely thought you were going to say this was the day when uh, things started to click for City because that, the, the first half of that season, as good as City were, they, they had the tendency to throw in a quick 4-0 defeat to Wimbledon here or there. Yeah, but it was kind of from about New Year where they went on a real run to, to basically ensure that they finished top of the table. Well... There was that famous quote now where Keegan said, at the end of season, we used to buy the end of season videos, didn't we? Yeah. Or DVDs, as they'd probably moved to by then. And, and David Bernstein was on it, our chairman at the time, Mark, and he said, I remember speaking to uh, Kevin Keegan in November and saying, um, well, it's quite a run we're on. Uh, and Kevin Keegan said, what do you mean? He said, well, we're unbeaten in six. He went, no, that, that's not a run, David. We'll go on a run. Don't worry about that. <laughs> and I think that's what you're referring to is that once we got hit Christmas, that was it. I mean, we weren't just winning games; we were smashing everybody. And we, we, we you're right. We did, we did have the odd sort of blowout where we'd get beaten at home four 0 by Wimbledon. I remember that very well. But no, for me, that was the symptomatic game. That was the pinnacle of the whole season, where he just threw caution to the wind and just absolutely suffocated teams with attackers. It was amazing. Yeah, um, Wimbledon actually beat us four 0 home and away that year. I think if I remember right, it might have been two one away actually. It's two. I remember Stuart Pearce yeah. got sent off anyway in the in the away he was game. Quite, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Mark, where where was Sheffield United around this time? What? Uh, how was this season for you? A one or two? Oh, it was a typically nowhere season. In fact, I think I've picked for my hell coming up. I think I'm earlier in this same season, aren't I? Yeah. Um, yeah. So so yeah, it was it was a pretty nothing season. This one, I would. I, I, in my mind, it was just the epitome of a nothing season. So I looked it up just now, and it was. We, as near as damn it, won, drew, and lost the same amount of games. We finished on minus one goal difference. We finished, I think, 13th, which is as middle as you can... Well, 12th or 13th is middle, so we went for the worst of those two options, obviously. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it was just such a, such a... It was Warnock was just still trying to build his team, I think. I think it was his second full season after taking over an appalling team uh, from Adrian Heath and yeah it was just just a, a bit of a building season a bit of a nothing season this one yeah I, I do want to uh, touch on uh, one of the goal scorers that day uh, because Michael Brown had he had a habit of scoring against City Mark what are your memories of him 
well. He's he is my favourite uh, ever Sheffield United midfield player. Um, he's well, it's brilliant. I mean, you, you, you touched on that there. He, um, we, we had him on loan from you, I think. And I think he only played about three or four games before we thought, yeah, this guy's better than absolutely everything we've got. Let's buy him. And I'm pretty sure after we bought him, the first game was against you at Bramall Lane. I think we won 1-0 and he scored. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah it, very good buy. Uh, very bad sell as well for you. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, you didn't miss him onwards from that, I guess. But, um, yeah, he certainly did really well for us. Yeah, uh, Murd, I, uh, I when I interviewed Michael Brown a few years ago, he said um, that Neil Warnock, part of the deal to take him to Sheffield United, uh, that Neil Warnock insisted was that he was able to play against City in that that first game. Uh, and Joe Royal had said, no, 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 absolutely no chance. Uh, and then Warnock said, right, well, we'll pull out of the deal then. And uh, and Royal was so, w- w- was that keen on on getting the money in for him uh, that he said, yeah, OK, then we'll uh, we'll go with that deal. And then obviously he goes and scores the winner. I mean... I mean, we're going to talk about typical City in a bit, aren't we, with the second game? <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, Mark, I'm sure you probably think this as well, but if any player returns to City having been sold by City, if any player plays against us, they're on the score sheet. They might as well mark it now. And I'm going back when I was a kid, Roger Palmer. Uh, I remember playing Sheffield United once in the early 90s and I remember looking down the team sheet and going, right, nobody that plays for them used to play for us, so we're safe. But little did he realise that Paul Lake's brother, Mike Lake, <laughs> even though he managed to get on the score sheet. So there's always yeah. something. But yeah, it doesn't surprise me. And actually, Michael Brown, really, when you look back on it, was probably a little bit too good for that division. I'm not sure. I mean, we needed the money we were skinning. That's why we sold him. But yeah, I remember him being absolutely brilliant for you. And he went on to be brilliant in the Premier League as well. It did. They turned him into from a, like an attacking midfielder to a bit of a dirty That's midfielder right. at Spurs. Yeah. But it was still, it was still good. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. We move on to an opposition heaven choice now, and we're going back to the festive season in 2019. It was the 27th of December that year, and City went to Wolves. To remember the game, Mooney spoke to City fan Howard Hocking and Wolves fan Dave as a party. City's title hopes for that game were already hanging by a thread. Uh, Howard, you might want to take your earphones out for a second because uh, <laughs> with we're, pleasure, yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to relive the action from that day. Is Edison didn't get there? That could well be a red card. Denial of an obvious goal-scoring opportunity. It's kind of area City can be so dangerous whether they have ten or eleven on the field trying to find a way through. They want a penalty. No. I'm sure that the VAR will be having a long look at that. Martin Atkinson still in conversation with David Coote. If he makes the television screen signal, it is a penalty. It's Raheem Sterling up against Rui Patricio. Save! Well, I think what they have to check is whether Cody was encroaching. And it is going to be retaken. Sterling against Patricio again. Same result, but he puts the rebound in. Manchester City, a man down, are a goal up. Rodri De Bruyne, now Raheem Sterling is away. He's got a lot of ground to cover. He has covered it superbly. It's Traore, and it's Wolves back in the game. The hero of the Etihad on the score sheet to give Wolves fresh hope. Maybe with time to take a touch. Oh, he's lost possession. Traore, Jimenez, 2-2, and so preventable for Manchester City. All the 
hard work undone. Doherty taking it on, adjusting his feet and scoring for Wolves. Two nil down against the champions. Have they gone and won it? So Dave, um, like that that game, I remember feeling pretty desolate after that one for for City's season. Um, were you there? What was the atmosphere like yeah. in the ground? Yeah, well, just listening to that again, like the amount of drama that was in that game. Yeah, I, I remember actually I was going away on holiday on the 28th and the original plan was <laughs> for the family to travel down on the 27th. And I said, look, like, look, this could be a big game. I said, like, we'll travel down early, early hours. So I obviously stayed for the game. I was uh, right in front of sort of the Mara's penalty incident. So I remember that firstly. The atmosphere was just ridiculous like it was so good on on the day um, but the Mara's penalty incident I remember right in front of me and he just looked like I know there was contact he just jumped in the air and everyone was going like going mad um, and then the whole VAR incident as well like you know I, at Molyneux I don't know what it's like in other stadiums at Molyneux the TV screens just don't like explain what's going on so obviously the the first penalty got saved and cleared and then nobody understood why it got retaken um, and obviously, in the end, we, we know Cody sort of came into the area. Um, but even, at, you know, 2-0 down, I just thought, like, this City's team are just too good. 10 men, 2-0 two, two, uh, two up against us. Even Sterling's second finish was, like, fantastic. Lovely little dink, I think, over Patricio. Um, but sometimes, they're just games, even sort of approaching the last half an hour. You just think, you look at games and think, nah, this isn't over. And I think the fans at Molyneux, like you were saying earlier, were just so pivotal in that game, like just to help us go in and get those goals. And in the end, it was probably three key players for that season, Jimenez, Adama and Doherty, they got the goals and it was just yeah, an absolutely phenomenal evening. And we spoke about games of the season at the end of last season and, and that, that was always the, the one that people spoke about the most. Yeah, Howard, um, there's a line in that commentary on uh, the equalising goal that just it, it makes me want to like I, I want to do unspeakable things to to one player in particular uh, because <laughs> like the, there there is a line there that just says that goal was so preventable and I mean I I don't I, I still can't wrap my head around why Benjamin Mendy was trying to shepherd the ball behind for a corner no. clear foul though wasn't it. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as soon as that happened, I thought we're losing. As soon as he did that, it's like, I mean, what was it? About 10 minutes on the end. You're still winning with 10 men. Just City that night was just, I mean, it's just one of those games, absolutely ridiculous. Even that, you know, the retaken penalty was ridiculous. Absolutely. And, you know, nothing's changed. We still can't score a penalty. Yet somehow <laughs> we get, you know, we do somehow score it because we get so many, keep giving chances there to score it. We go 2 0 up. I mean, I know that he's played a great side. And, yeah. As I think when we do my hell, we let certain players score against us when they, they can't score against anyone else. It just <laughs> I think the, the title campaign was you know, already gone that season. But this, yeah, I mean, it's one of those games where you just, you don't give any credit. You know, as a, as on the losing side, you don't give any credit to the opposition. You're just absolutely <laughs> fuming that you threw it all away. And it, honestly, just some of the performances and the... Yeah, the mentality of having gone two 0 up was absolutely appalling. The wolves just ripped into us. I mean, well, that... they were about. I think they headed narrowly wide about two times. Well, and the city player cleared the free kick. I mean, it was it was coming from for a long time. It seemed 
it was coming that we weren't going to win that game. It's just very strange, just really poor defensive performances. Otamendi, who will no doubt appear as well on my hell, uh, <laughs> was rubbish. And yeah, Mend- I, was, I was angry about that Mendy incident for a good two months. One of those where you're just ready to sell him, put him on the transfer market <laughs> there and then, basically. <laughs> I think the transfer market, the window opened three days later, would have slapped him. If it was football manager, would have put him straight on the transfer market and <laughs> shipped yeah. him out. But yeah, it, it was an amazing game. I mean, when you just, I just rewatched the highlights. It's an absolutely staggering game. You know, for a neutral, you just have been like glued to the screen that night, I think. Yeah, they they um, Dave, you you talked about um, kind of sensing that the game wasn't over. Um, one thing that I found particularly strange from City that night. Okay, they had ten men, and I I understand like you know you're playing against a good side. You don't want to you don't want to give them any opportunities. But I've never seen City. I've never seen City concede ground as much as they did that night. There, there was almost a sense of we've got ourselves two 0 up. Let's just defend it now. And even with ten men, that's not what I. I that's not what Guardiola's teams are, are, are good at. Let alone what they normally do. Um, was it a surprise to see City kind of do that? And did you did that kind of was that part of the encouragement as well for you? I think so. Yeah, that's probably why I do remember that. Uh, now you bring it up, and it was just like you would expect City to have a lot of the ball. And I think they were just allowing us so much, much possession and just sat really deep. I think even in the first half, though, just after the penalty and go down to 10 men, towards the end of the first half, we put a lot of pressure on. And I was just thinking, like, I did not expect to see this from Manchester City. Um, and then when they got the second goal, I thought, right, they can, they can sit on it now, really. It's not what you expect, but you, you would still, for a team of that calibre, at 2-0 up, you'd expect them to see the game out, regardless of how they played. Um, and I think just played into Wolves' hands, the fans, you know, just you know, encouraging the players because I think we knew we could get something out of the game. And <clears throat> I said a couple of years ago, there was a couple of games. I think the same season we beat. Um, it was a season before. Sorry, we beat Leicester four-three, uh, scoring a, a last-minute goal. And even at, towards the end of the game, I just knew something was going to happen. Um, and at the time when we were in the Europa League as well, I said across two legs bring anybody to Molyneux and we'll, we'll give them a good game, anyone in the world. Maybe not so much this season just gone uh, by our performances, but like with the, with the fans in the stadium, like we, we're just a different, a different animal sometimes. Yeah. Um, Howard, the, uh, the the final word for this game, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to you because ultimately, <laughs> like as Dave said there, you go 2-0 up in a game, you've got 10 men, don't lose it. Just don't lose it. Just do whatever you need to do to not lose that game. And it was like, like I said, we we just conceded so much space and time and possession. It it, it was it was coming. Well, we did it against Brighton, <laughs> just yeah, uh, a couple of months. But yeah, so uh, it's becoming a bit of a trend. Yeah, the, just I think that's it. The lack of discipline. I remember there were some good goal. I mean, there were good goals. The first some you know excellent shooting, precise, far post. But the just the amount of space that just in front of that penalty area was criminal to be honest and yeah you, sh- you shut up shop really don't you when you go 2-0 up you just you lose you know if you're a person short then that person has to be sacrificed from up the pitch you shouldn't shouldn't really make much difference in your defensive areas but City were a shambles in that last 25 minutes as if they're all the energy drained out of them as well so yeah, yeah I, th- I don't think it made much difference you know <laughs> at the end of the season but at the time, it was one of those one of the most annoying games I've seen in the past couple of years, definitely.
You can listen to the show ad-free by joining our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. The misery keeps coming now with City Hell. Although you can take comfort in the knowledge that City went on to win the league this season. We're going to go back to 2012 and City's visit to Sunderland. City fan Rachel Hurdson and Sunderland fan Ant Waterson chatted about it on the show. It finished Sunderland 1, City 0 on the 1st of January 2012. Uh, City went into this one. Uh, it was almost like a free hit in many ways. Uh, City were top of the table. They were level on points with United, but they had a game in hand and this was it. United had uh, played 19, City had played 18. It was 0-0 deep into stoppage time and then this happened. 20 seconds of the added time left and Martin O'Neill saying, get forward, we can nick it here. G, Sessegnon. He's round the goalkeeper, he's done it! Absolutely incredible! It ain't over till it's over! And Rachel, it certainly wasn't over until it was over that day because I don't know if you remember, they scored that late in the game. There wasn't even time to kick off again afterwards. It was even now. It's it's hurting me. Like you say, it was it was a free hit, but at the same time, it was like here's a real opportunity to take advantage, and we didn't. It was probably one of the most one-sided games of football I can remember as well. That was the the other thing, and and the other thing that struck me, which has just been reiterated when you're playing that audio, is Martin Tyler was probably more excited and pleased than any of the Sunderland fans in the game. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know about that, which, Rich. I was quite <laughs> excited. <laughs> I think as well, you know, looking back, you know, it's his, you know, as a Sky pundit, I appreciate that you like last minute winners and obviously all has been forgiven since. But at the same time, he seemed more happy about it than, than anyone, which was really frustrating. But I, I don't think it really sunk in for a few minutes because we were just like, how how have we actually lost that game? That's just near on uh, r- ridiculous. But um, yeah, incredible. Yeah, and that, I mean, talk us through what the emotions like when not like you've been battered all game, but you've held it to a nil-nil, and then you, you spot that there's a, a breakaway happening. You must be torn between just don't do anything stupid and go on, go and nick it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, I don't know if, if you know about this, but we had quite a bad flu epidemic before that game, um, and. Our goalkeeper, who was meant to be in goalkeeping Westwood, um, said he couldn't play, so we had to bring back Mignolet, who had to wear a face mask. He broke his jaw, or his nose, I think, um, a few weeks beforehand. And Actually, actually and... now you say that, I do remember that, and I've got a feeling as well. He pulled off one of the saves of the season to keep it out off the off the line at some point. Yeah, he did, yeah, that's right, but his foot wasn't with his boot. He put yeah. his boot out, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, and just after... Just just before our goal, Seb Larson, who releases Sessegnon, literally collapses in the middle of the pitch because he can't run anymore, and he'd had the flu. Um, so literally once, I mean, once it went to Sessegnon, I was like, is he going to shoot? And then he passed it to G. I mean, and G was not a good footballer, you know. Um, for, for Sunderland, he was dreadful, to be honest. And that was the more surprising thing. I think that's why the whole stadium was up. was like, G scored. He, he literally, I think when he turned to celebrate, I don't think he could even believe that he managed to do that. You know what I mean? It was so like... I was like, how how on earth have we managed to do that? It was more like, like a state of shock than anything else. Because I mean, as Richard just said, City were they had us on toast. Right? They were they played so well and just couldn't get the, put the ball in the back of the net. And it's it's that sucker punch, isn't it? That happens. But I mean, I was ecstatic. But um, 
I mean, the great thing is about that goal now, it wouldn't have counted because he was offside, wasn't he? So VAR, our great friend, would have would have disallowed it. So it's one of those one of those things. If VAR came in, what nine years late, nine years early, we wouldn't be talking about it. So it's, yeah. um, it was it was great at the time. It was I, fantastic. I was going to say, Rachel, he was clearly offside, and that was the, the fact that that was that I was at home watching it on TV, ruining my New Year's Day like that. Um, then the the final kind of adding salt to the wounds is the fact that it, the linesman should have flagged. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before the VAR days, that was one of the things that was funny actually when I was re-looking at some of these games before um, before this review. <laughs> I was looking at that Gardner and Jacko incident and thinking, mm, I wonder if that would stand to VAR these days, you know, and then he invited the foul. But anyway, yeah, it it, it, it was a, you know, a real um, kick in the teeth. But it, that was always the way. New Year and Christmas, they were regularly ruined by City back then. So it wasn't anything <laughs> on, you know, um, sorry, not, 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 not later on, but certainly I've had plenty of New Year's and um, Christmases ruined by City fixtures before now. So, but yeah. I thought those days have been put behind us and we certainly, like I say, we played them off the park that day. So to, 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 to lose in that manner was a real, uh, yeah. It kept across. happening as well, didn't it? We kept on finding ways of, of beating us, wasn't it? Like one nil at home. Like, I was, was going to say, off it, the bounce, wasn't it, it? Yeah, it was. That that was the second one in a mm-hmm. an, in a in a run of four. And the next season, uh, Mancini the, after the game, Mancini just said, "Oh, we're not coming next year. Just give them the one nil, yeah. and we're not going to come." <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how how did you manage that every every season, Ant? <laughs> to be honest, they all kind of had the same. Um, Kind of premise of the game where City pretty much dominated. I remember the first one when Benton scored a penalty, I believe, and Tevez missed an open goal, didn't he? When it got pulled back and he put yeah. it over the bar. Um, the yes. third third one, I think, was um, we shouldn't say his name, Mr. Yeah. Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't remember the fourth one off the top of my head, but I can't remember who scored. I want to say Barini, but I know I'm wrong. It was. Uh, it was it, that, that was that, the, the only thing different about that one is that the goal was quite early on. It was in the first half. It because because City were going through a spell yeah. where uh, they dropped Joe Hart and it was Pantelimon in goal. Was it bad uh, for City? So it might be. Yes, yes, it was. Yeah, um, Ex United. Yeah, I remember it now. Yeah, I can remember it now. Yeah, and, um, but literally all four games was just City couldn't score. Um, you know, either through superb defending or you know some great goalkeeping or power finishing. But yeah, we we kind of felt like we had your number. And we even went one nil up. In a nighttime game, I think Conor Wickham had scored and then kind of really peed Sergio Aguero off because he had one of the best games I've seen by an opposition player at the stadium. He was unbelievable. He was untouchable. I think City went on to win 4-1 to break that hoodoo. Um, but at that time, you know, it was it was lovely. I think after the fourth one, we started seeing can we play every week to the away <laughs> fans, which was uh, didn't go down really well. But um, it, it, as Rachel said, I think it was like... it. It has been over the years a little bit of a slight affiliation with City and Sunderland because um, I mean I've got we'll talk about my hell later on but I've got a story about a City fan that will stay with me forever you know what I mean I've always I always look out for City you know what I mean and us doing the Poznan when he's won the when he's won the league on that I mean that really riled some United fans off and <laughs> poor Sir Alex has wrote about it in a book um, so but yeah just for every, I mean every time we were coming it was. It was like, oh, we've won again. How have we won them games? But you know, at that time though, we we just held firm. We had some, you know some really good defenders. You know, John O'Shea, Wes Brown. You know, who came there? Um, they were excellent. You know, uh, Marcus Alonso at left back. You know, we had some really really good players and some inspired goalkeeping as well, uh, which managed to get us over the line. If you enjoy the show, please give it a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. 
think that's enough City hell for now. Let's have a pick-me-up. We're going to take in a more positive result for City in the Christmas period of the 2018-19 season. This one would prove crucial in the title race. So crucial that it was Liverpool hell for Neil Atkinson. He, along with Dom Farrell, chatted about the game. My hell game is the uh, 2-1 in the January of uh, 2019, um, which effectively uh, wins City the 18-19 title, though that doesn't feel entirely fair. Well, uh, we'll get into the minutiae of that in a second, but first let's relive the action. And Mane's through the middle. Oh, it's hit the post. Mane goes again. Oh, and it's going to go into it. It isn't. It's squeezed away from Salah. Aguero's got in front there. A lovely ball to the far post and it's led to the equaliser. Knocked in by Roberto Firmino. And for Sane, chance, goal for Manchester City. Now, Dom, um, I'm going to start with you on this one because as, as almost as a as a marker to how the rivalry between City and Liverpool had developed over the over the years up to that, um, ahead of that opening goal for City, Aguero did something that I've not seen him do in any other game in his entire City career. And do you know what that was? I know he was he was very angry, wasn't he? Because he thought he should have had a penalty. Which he dived. He shouldn't. Yeah, he dived. Yeah. I've never seen him dive before. And that that almost as it, like in one point says how much City needed to win that game. Yeah, it, it's it's a really... Because, I mean, because then he absolutely cracked it with his left foot. And it's, it's a thing that you, you get on a few Aguero goals, including the most notable one. And I think it's the way he strikes it. You know, he's that stocky guy. He hits the ball with such power. He's a man of very, very good net noise. He makes nets make a really good sort of <laughs> ping when it goes in. And say so on that audio, the sound of the ball going in, and then again, probably other than the obvious Aguero goal, that that might be the loudest I've ever I've ever heard the Etihad on a goal. I mean, the, 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 obviously there's been actually that Sterling one we mentioned that got this loud against Tottenham. It went pretty mad then, but that wasn't a goal. Um, yeah. yeah, it was. It, it was a proper roof off moment with that when that goes in, and yeah, it's. I think because he's moaning about not getting the penalty for when he's gone down, that does inform the strike. It, it's a bit like the, the one people always think of, of of angry goals is that um, that Rooney volley for United against Newcastle, where he's basically he's running towards the area, gobbing off at the referee, and then just the, hurls it into the top corner. Yeah, it's it's a really great angry goal that Aguero on, and and probably. Yeah, and part of the reason he's angry is that rivalry was at such a, a pressure point at that stage. You know, City were basically no margin for error. City had to win that night, or it was kind of done. Um, yeah. And yeah, everything about that goal from the strike, from him volleying the corner flag to the, the general bedlam in the stands, it speaks of how high stakes that was. Yeah, I mean, Neil, the uh, that, that Etihad uh, kind of atmosphere that night... I've only ever felt it as tense as that on one other occasion, and that's when City had to beat United in the in the 2012 running. Um, were you there that night? Yes, I was. Uh, what, 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 how, how do you remember that, that that kind of the feeling in that game? The reason why I'm really conflicted about this game is, and I am conflicted about it, but I think it's an important game to talk about. Is it was absolutely tremendous. I mean, it was the atmosphere was crackling, and you felt it from the minute that you got in. Uh, you felt it around the ground. To be honest with you, I, 
I loved it. You know, so I've, I've put it in. Oh, I, I was I almost, sick, mate. <laughs> I almost teasingly put it into heaven in a really weird way when you sent over the brief, and I thought, no, 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 that's being a bit too moody. Because <laughs> uh, it was, firstly, it was a remarkably intense game of football. Um, it was an intense game of football at, at levels of which you just wouldn't conceive of, to be honest with you. I think, you know, I think we, we, we lose the, um, we lose at times how brilliant some of the games that we get to watch are because we're living them in the moment. Um, and living them in the moment is is really difficult um, because you you want to win the game um, and you want to feel like the game is, you know, the game is happening uh, in that way. And you can lose that sort of, because you want to win, you can lose the fact that you're watching something that is tremendous. I think it's probably, not probably, I think it's one of the best games of football I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's, you know, for me, it was so intense from the players. It was so intense from the from the crowd. It was intense from the crowd in a way, you know, without being an, a bit of an idiot about it. If I say I wasn't quite expecting it, it wasn't like I think City is some sort of remarkably quiet ground. It's just it was ratcheted up to a level that you wouldn't think. Um, this season, when City come to Anfield and win four one, um, the City side. I've got a I've got a program I use called Stats Bomb. And I use it for some Anfield rap stuff. And the City side, uh, which played ever so well that night, there's more than one way to play football, but I just want to sort of contextualise this. The City side put in cumulatively 105 pressures as it's defined by, by Statsbomb within their programme. Um, the top person was Bernardo Silva. Um, he threw in... That uh, He threw in against uh, Liverpool that night. He threw in 27 pressures as it's defined from a... By stats bomb, and obviously these things are always a little bit loose. Um, the night that Liverpool go to the Etihad, so the City cumulatively this season 105 pressures. The night Liverpool go to the Etihad, Bernardo Silva puts in 76. Yeah, on his own, on his own puts in 76. It was Sit- it was honestly the most extraordinary individual performance I'd ever seen from a man who probably barely touched the ball all night. And I, but there was, I remember from a City point of view, there was concern in the build-up to it because um, De Bruyne was injured, so he'd he'd only just made the bench for that night, and I I, I can almost it almost felt like Guardiola had said to Bernardo Silva, "Listen, give me an hour, just full pace, one hundred percent. Give me an hour, and then De Bruyne's coming on for you at that point." And then the hour mark comes up and, and Guardiola just goes, 10 more minutes, Bernardo. Just 10 more, <laughs> everything you've got. And then 70 minutes happens and he goes, no, honestly, five minutes, then we're going to bring Kev on. Honestly, just five five more minutes. And then De Bruyne comes on on about 83 minutes and, and Bernardo's just got, like, almost been stretched off because he's, he's, uh, he's with oxygen yeah, because yeah. he's had to run that far. It was incredible. And it was, you know, front to back from City that night. I think the I, I still think City's title win of 18-19 is underrated. And there's loads of reasons why. And, and there's, part of it is how the media comes covers Liverpool and Manchester City differently and they come with positives and negatives um, for both clubs at different times. I think that, for instance, everyone is always eager, certainly where Klopp's concerned, to discuss Liverpool's battling qualities. Um, City win the league in 18-19 because they battle like men possessed in this match, but also through the last three months of that season. They don't play particularly well, City, and trust me, I was watching a lot of Man City games <laughs> uh, during that run-in, and they don't play particularly well a lot of the time, but they show 
show unbelievable character they're not they're not a refined they are still obviously a refined football outfit but in comparison to the 1718 vintage they're nowhere near as as able to rise above games and this game in particular is a really good example of it but it doesn't matter because they play absolutely in the red Fernandinho plays the entirety of this match in the red Bernardo Silva in the red Vincent company in the red there's an argument that company should be sent off I can't really be bothered getting into that because it was the sort of game where someone throws in the sort of tackle that is an orange and the referee gives it one way or he gives it the other at some point and you've got to cop for that because if you want to be in the business end of football matches and the business end of winning stuff that's what you that, get in it yeah yeah it's what you get but it's also it's so, again to say what I said before it's what you're sort of in it for you're in it to be absolutely livid with Vincent Company and Anthony Taylor after the match but you're also in it to have walked away from that ground and gone my god what a football team what two football teams we've just watched there so it, as I say I nearly teasingly put it in that but obviously across the long run it's a fixture where you end up feeling bruised by it because and it's right that by the way the score line's 2-1 it should be 2-1 it should be that each of these sides are good enough to score two but there's only one in it um there was a goal mouth scramble with five to go that was right in front of our end and how it doesn't go, no one really properly gets a <laughs> shot off but how it doesn't go in but the point is is this was football that was played at such a level that these two sides were able to blow almost any other team on the planet away and yet the last five minutes looked like a sunday league game yeah because that's what they <laughs> reduced each other to by being so brilliant yeah. Liverpool scored a great goal in the game. It's a great flow and move. It's a ge- it's a goal that deserves to be a garnish on any game. Liverpool have a goal either disallowed or not given by eleven millimeters. Sane scores a great one against the post. This is a tremendous football match, and the reason why it's hell for me is Liverpool lose it. If Liverpool win it, they win the league in eighteen nineteen and probably retain it in nineteen twenty. They don't, but they at least win it in nineteen twenty, which is fantastic. And the reason, other reason why it's hell is that. If we'd have won, if we'd have won this game two one, it would go down genuinely as one of the great Liverpool away performances, and I just hope it does go down as one of the great Manchester City home wins. It does, doesn't it, Dom? Yeah, uh, I think without doubt. Um, and say, go going to what Neil said before about this sort of modern rivalry, be throwing up a lot of games where whether it's City Anfield this year, Liverpool Anfield in twenty eighteen, sort of running away with the games. It feels it does feel like the centerpiece at this moment of the rivalry. It just needed yeah. one where you had to, you know the the a proper unstoppable force, immovable object kind of game, and it was it, it it's a wonderful game of football. I remember because when you're in when you're in the ground and you get swept up in a game like that, and you don't see many games that just draw you in like that one does. You sometimes think, was that as good as I thought it was? And so, so, there'll be other games with big atmospheres. You'll go on social media and people are going, well, that was shite. But I remember leaving the ground and opening Twitter and everyone just going, that was incredible. And yeah, I think it's I think it's the game this rivalry deserved. I think I think of all Guardiola's title wins at City, I, even though I think there's an awful lot to recommend about this season in terms of how he sussed pandemic football, how he yeah. went back to his principles, flipped everything around brilliantly with a team that, say, as we see even now maybe there was a lot of dressing room management went into this season, but then it obviously ends on the sour note it does in Porto. I think there's a lot to be said that this season might be his crowning achievement, but in terms of winning a league title, I think how impressive they are is the rival you winning against you, you winning it against, and I think that Liverpool team was probably better than the one that won the league the year after, M- maybe, um, even though they won like twenty six out of twenty seven games or something insane the year after. I just, I just thought. They were so good, and to 
get to the point they did when they lost against Newcastle in the January, and it's like, right, all that we'll do now is win your final 13 games <laughs> and to do it. Yeah. Because, I mean, that was, that running, I mean, I mean, I'd say, and this is from a point where I tried to sort of apply a little bit of professional detachment as much as I can. It was just horrible. It was like, I remember City winning at Burnley being particularly rank in that the game was a game at Turf Moor. And you felt like you couldn't enjoy the victory at all. It's like, right, that's done. But God, they've got they've got to go to the next one now. Ad-free episodes are available on Patreon. Sign up at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. Another match with happy memories now, because who doesn't love a last minute winner? That's what we got in the City Heaven match for the upcoming episode against Arsenal. Gunners fan Michael Kashani and City fan Adam Monk gave their memories of the game to David Mooney in a Patreon show that will air later in the season. Uh, going back to the 1st of January, New Year's Day 2022, finished Arsenal 1, City 2 at the Emirates. Going into this one, City were top of the table, 50 points from 20 games. Arsenal, meanwhile, were fourth with 35 points from 19. Uh, Arsenal had had a very bad start to the season, but had settled down and were on a run of four wins in a row at this stage. City were already on one of their winning runs, though. They were up to 10 in a row by this stage. Here's the action from the game. I'm still, that is a cracking pass, beautifully taken by Martinelli, who can worry Cancelo and play it for Alexander Lacazette and now Martin Odegaard. Odegaard's challenge is good. Corner given, that's all for now. Ooh, now then, does he get a touch? Then. I'm not sure. Check is complete. Just a corner. Odegaard for Tierney. Martinelli's up ahead of him. Lacazette's through the middle. Kieran Tierney. Bernardo Silva, Xhaka stood his ground, Bernardo Silva was willing to go over him. It looks like Bernardo Silva's looking to go down. But he does pull that shirt. He's given a penalty. Mahrez fires it in. And the champions are level. Amid massive Arsenal disgruntlement. One by Rodri, back by Partey, flick from Lacazette. Saka's interested, headed over his own goalkeeper and off the line by Ake and fired wide by Martinelli. Chaos, Bedlam, and Laporte got away with it. Gabriel's going to walk here. Gabriel has fouled Jesus on halfway. A second yellow card in a trice. Lifted up towards Rodri, hit by Laporte and squeezed in by Rodri. And City have snatched it in stoppage time. And that is what Crestfallen. Arsenal's players in bits. City's in a pile of pale blue joy. Adam, I'll come to you in a second uh, because I've got to query why this was heaven because I remember watching it and not feeling particularly good throughout of it. Um, But Cash, on the other side, um, when a little peek behind the curtain, when I when I asked you to do this again and and um, we talk about these games, uh, you did say that you're still really angry and bitter about this game. And I can kind of get why. Yeah, I, I can't lie. I was twitching listening to... Um, <laughs> is that it, all, it all came flooding back. Oh, God. I, I'm, there's also there's, there's so much reason for us to be positive because that essentially came as the catalyst to us now being as good as we were. A lot changed on the back of really taking City on that day. 
but the way it ended, oh, and, and obviously everything along the way, Jesus. Yeah. God, I'm furious still. Yeah, well, I'll let you stew for a few minutes. Um, Adam, <laughs> I remember I, I went to my mum and dad's to watch this one. My dad wasn't, uh, was my dad was in hospital actually, just had an operation. Um, and so I was like, I'm, I'm not going to leave mum on her own on New Year's Day. We'll, I'll go over and, and watch the game with her. And I remember sitting through this game, just thinking, I'll take a point. I'll take a point all the way through. They've, they've battered us from start to finish. I'll have a point and then they get all three. Yeah, and I remember we were on a bit of a win streak at that point, so we could actually afford... We had a bit of a lead on Liverpool, so we could afford to get a point as well, which I think a lot of people don't remember, yeah. uh, which kind of made it all the more funny. Um, I, I honestly... It was one of the best... It's got to be in the top five away days I've ever done, so I was actually working for City that day. I was presenting uh, from the ground, and... I will be honest, I wasn't too keen on it because I had to get a train early in the morning, which was effectively for me still on New Year's Eve because <laughs> I'd had a few drinks. So I got, I was running on like one hour sleep, got to Piccadilly for like six in the morning, uh, trained down there, got down to the Emirates and I was... I was in a bit of a zombified state, I'll be honest. I was I was getting through it. Um, and as the game went on, I sort of came round <laughs> progressively. So that's maybe why I uh, enjoyed it more than you, because like, I was a bit numb to the whole spectacle, particularly in the first half, because I remember, I think we might have had a clear-cut chance with Ake in the first half, but not much was going in the way of us, and Arsenal were definitely the better team, yeah. until the game swung, which was... Really, the red card, I think, because their heads went. It was Gabriel, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and then their heads went. And then the Rodri goal. It was just what I found so... Obviously, it was brilliant because City had won last minute. but And I had to do like my goal reaction for City and whatnot. But then as I looked around me, um, you might remember Rodri went to the corner flag with his shirt off. And the variety of projectiles that were thrown in his direction was <laughs> baffling to me. So there was a bloke, um, and I wish I'd have filmed it, so you might remember there was like toilet paper on the pitch yeah. and there was a fella, I kid you not, with like a six pack of Andrex and I do not understand. So there was like two whole bog rolls got launched on the pitch and I don't understand how you would get that into the ground. I think <laughs> if I went to, if I went up to like the, you know, the East Ham where I sit at City with bog roll, they probably, <laughs> the eyebrows would be raised. Um, so yeah, that was funny. And then I also remember like, uh, I, I won't work in the next day. So I had two days in London and uh, went out with my mates afterwards. So it was like a, it was just the perfect start to the year. Yeah. And then it also sort of I actually got a bit relaxed that day after that about the title because we'd extended our lead and won in the manner we had. I didn't think Liverpool would actually creep up to us the way that they did. So it was all it also kind of felt like we'd won the league that day, even though we hadn't. Um, so everything about it was just it, it could not have gone better. Yeah, Cash. The I mean the incidents in the game. If we, I, I, sorry to do this to you, but if if we start with uh, kind of like the VAR stuff, because obviously the way Edison goes in, um, and and basically the, the the way it's been described is the video referee cannot definitively say whether or not he fouled him, so they can't overturn the decision. And then for City's one, it's simple that the referee just didn't see the shirt pull. So if he'd seen the shirt pull and decided it wasn't enough, the video referee would have gone, nah, you've, you, there's not enough there. But it's just it's one of those things where on any other day, those two penalties could probably have been flipped round. Yeah, and I, I remember that really annoyed me about the Bernardo Silva one, where like, he was going over anyway. The shirt pull didn't make him go, well, it didn't, force him over anymore so the fact that it's a completely separate incident to the thing that was actually given well not separate incident but it was separate to why the penalty was given which I mean you can argue the intricacies of these refereeing things all day and good good lord I did that day. <laughs> yeah I get um, it I get it 
but yeah, it's Yen and as you said, sort of the the Gabriel red card was. I was just I still don't really know what the first yellow was for, but you know you can't do you can't make that second tackle when you're on a yellow. It's just a yeah. thing to do, but. It was just, I think that game really cemented, and your your listenership will love hearing this, how much I fucking hate Rodri. Um, <laughs> and he's obviously, he's a brilliant, brilliant player, but he's Teflon. He just gets away with it every single fucking game. And he, there was so many things that could have been yellows, and he only finally got booked up um, at the final uh, when he took a shot off. Took right? yeah. his shirt off, yeah. 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 <laughs> and that actually, that actually made things so much worse in that moment. That he finally got his fucking booking. And that was why. <laughs> it could, yeah, it really couldn't have been much worse. Yeah, Adam, yeah. it's 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 one of those things with someone like Rodri as well. Is we'll sit here and we'll go how wonderful he is and how fantastic he is at, at doing the job that he does. Um, but you kind of you kind of have to have them in your team. The ones who will get away with those yellow card tackles all the time, and then like when they do get booked, go okay, I'm on a booking. I won't do them anymore. But until I get booked, I'm going to carry on doing this. Yeah, and I, I, it's not really Rodri's fault, is it? Nor was it Fernandinho's. It's the referee's fault for not booking him. If they want to be more lenient, let him be more lenient. You know, there's there's places and optimal times on a pitch where you can commit a foul. And I think, you know, we, our number sixes have sort of mastered that over the years and Pep's drilled it into him. I can see why it's so frustrating for other teams. Yeah. But theoretically, there should be nothing stopping other teams behaving that way as well. Um Maybe we do get away with it more than others, but I, I don't have a logical answer as to why that is. I just think um, he's a world-class footballer and, and I obviously love him. <laughs> yeah, hey, Kesh, is it, is it worse as well for you for having like the fact that it's a last-minute winner in a game that you have dominated and you've been the better side throughout and also you've had one cleared off the line that was just like a complete comical farce yeah. and somehow City have saved it? Yeah, definitely. Like if if the goal had come right, so there was as I recall, it was um, we went ahead, equaliser, red card, and obviously then second goal in injury time. Yeah. If the second, if City's goal would come, maybe even like, any point before like the eighty fifth minute, it would have been so much better than the ninety third that it was out of ninety six. Yeah. Uh, but that is, you know, yeah, those are the you'd think that those are the moments that make you. If anything, you know, two almost two years on, I'm still furious. So maybe it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, it's uh, I, 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 in many ways, I kind of hope we've got it out of your system now, and you can uh, you can. No, you can if anything, that. I'm madder than I was before we started. <laughs> I've forgotten about good. a lot of these <laughs> stuff. I did. Email the show through our website, bluemoonpodcast.com. It's time for another opposition heaven choice now. To keep it in the festive season, we've gone back to the game before Christmas in 2018, when Crystal Palace came to the Etihad. Comedian and Palace fan Andre Vincent picked the game, and Mooney and City fan Ali Fogg had to endure the memories of it. Vinny, let's move on to your heaven game, um, because this will be a hell for, for quite a lot of City uh, City fans. It finished City 2, Crystal Palace 3 on the 22nd of December 2018. Um, going into this, City were four points behind Liverpool, but with a game in hand. Uh, Palace were 15th, three points above the relegation zone. Um, here's what happened. Sane for Delft. Governor 1-0. Schlup. Trying to work the angle onto his left foot, and it's a brilliant finish. Jeff Schluck for Crystal Palace, and they're back on level terms with their first shot of the day. That's an important defensive header. Bernardo Silva winning the second ball, and Townsend! That is an unbelievable strike. Crystal Palace lead at Manchester City, but not just that, they do it with one of the goals of the season. Then Myers challenged by Walker, and it's a penalty. 
doesn't save this one. And Crystal Palace are 3-1 up. De Bruyne's ball in, a better ball. Oh, it's a much better ball, whether he intended it or not. Now, Vinny, we'll come to uh, your reasons in a second. But the first thing I have to mention, uh, Ali, this was your <laughs> birthday. It was my bloody birthday. It wasn't just my birthday. This was my birthday treat. <laughs> I, uh, it was, I don't know if you call it, it was, a, it was a Saturday, it was a three o'clock kickoff, and that in itself is a bit of a treat, particularly with City fans, we don't get many home games at three o'clock on a Saturday, uh, and weeks before, literally weeks before, I had texted all my friends saying, hey, there's a City game at home on, on at 3pm on my birthday, who wants to come, and who wants to go for a curry after, and who wants to come rent ours for a drink, um, and because it was the last Saturday before Christmas, as well as being my birthday, everybody was really busy doing their last night Christmas shopping or whatever, so a couple of mates came with me to the game, and then a few others joined us for a curry after, and then a few others joined, came around, or quite a lot more came around, and every single person I talked to that day said, hi Ali, happy birthday, how was the game? And I then had to tell them, and of course, what I wanted to say was, it was shit, I hated it, it was rubbish, we lost. Um, and what I had to say, because I've got some kind of social graces, was, oh, it was a great game, fair play at Palace, they did well, sadly, you know, they scored an amazing, one of the best goals I've seen in years, and yeah, well done, pal. And, and I hated every second of it. We, we have to talk, Vinny, um, Andros Townsend, because that goal, I, honestly, when it went in, I've, I don't... I, from where I was sat, I genuinely don't think there was that many people that were that angry about it because it was just a, a case of, well, yeah. that that that's a thing that's happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like he has he has three goals in his career that are just outstanding. That one for Tottenham, that he, and what one for England that everyone was like, wow, and then and then that that was just, I mean, it was phenomenal. It was just. I mean, I, I, it blew me away. I was just so happy, um, uh, and and but the, I mean, again, I, something else. You know, the Man City getting their own back. How it was constantly being said: goal of the season, goal of the season, goal of the season, all the way up to Vincent Company scoring. <laughs> <laughs> was it your last game? Your last home game? And then everybody made that the goal of the season. It was like. You see what you see. What's happening here? The, the worst. I, I know, guess the worst bit for it as well for you is that not only did that take the goal of the season, but it was from about the same area of the pitch into the same top corner of the pitch, <laughs> <laughs> into the same yeah. goal. It just like <laughs> it was everything. It was like just repeating itself. And of all people, and everybody just telling company to leave it as well, which makes it even worse. <laughs> Uh-huh. And you just winged it. Um, I'm just trying to remember. I was, and and the, I, I don't know how I saw the game. And I, I mean, it. I must have. I, I I don't know. I was doing pantomime, um, trying to remember where I was. Um, I I don't know where I I couldn't have been. I, I don't think I was in Manchester because I did the Manchester Palace one year, uh, Manchester Opera House. Yeah, but. Um, I saw the game. That was the other thing. For for me to see a Saturday game is is pretty rare um, during Panto season. And oh, it was just phenomenal. Just it was. I mean, the, the fact that you know you you'd been having such a great season, and 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 we'd been. I think it was our like we'd lost something like six games in a row, and then. Uh, yeah, it, I, just to come in and, and do that to you. I mean, A, you know, 
that we won and be that that goal. Um, it, yeah, it, it just still sends shivers down my spine when I see it. Yeah, there, there was a there was a weird feeling that day, Ali, because um, I remember I remember going into that game either Fernandinho was injured or suspended, and for whatever reason couldn't play. And there was a, a kind of feeling, well, City can't do it without Fernandinho in the anchor role, which is which is just mad in itself because they clearly can. Um, and then Gundogan pops up, they take the lead, they'd not played particularly well, and you're thinking, okay, they've they've kind of got out of jail here. And then Palace just just go, no, this is our game, we're going to take control of it. And even though De Bruyne scored, I, I, let's be honest, a bit of a fluke near the end, it's, it's, it's definitely a cross to the back post yep. that drops in. Um, <laughs> I'm it, glad you admit that. Yeah, even though that happened, you kind of go, well, like fair play to Palace. There was no City did not deserve a thing out of that game, and, yeah. and, and the better side was Palace on the day. Okay, yeah, no argument with that at all. And despite the fact that I was muttering and grumbling all evening after it had happened, um, I was really impressed with Palace that day. They, 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 they properly beat us. We had no complaints whatsoever. They came out, and they were Palace were really good that day, particularly the second half. They, they. Uh, Skillful, they were quick, and all of the things that you, you, uh, Vinny, you were just saying that Palace often don't have, you know, um, goals primarily and, yeah. and real threat in the middle of the pitch. They had it that day. I'm not quite sure where it came from, where it went after, but yeah, fair play, they found it. Get a dollop of city nostalgia every Monday. Sign up at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. We're going to go back a little bit further now for a festive city hell. The 2000-2001 season wasn't a good one for City, and it certainly wasn't a Merry Christmas when Charlton came to Main Road. The Addicts had already battered City 4-0 on the opening day of the season at the Valley. Charlton fan Luis Mendes joined David Mooney and Gary James for this episode of the show. Gary, let's move on to your hell because uh, there's there's only one team that season that Charlton put four past uh, at any point, uh, and it was City twice because uh, it finished uh, City one, Charlton four on the thirtieth of December two thousand. Um, the tables really had um, been set out for how the season was going to go because City was 17th at that point. Uh, they were out of the relegation zone on goal difference alone. Uh, Charlton were 13th, six points ahead of City, so not even not within catching distance of any uh, of any sort. Um, and City's run at that point was one win in their last 10 games. They had seven defeats in that spell as well. Uh, Charlton were fresh off a 5-0 defeat at West Ham, so maybe there was a, a, a chance to get a bit of revenge for the opening day, uh, but it just didn't happen. Here's what happened. Happened that uh, that evening. Rufus flies in. How are you in trouble, Johansson? Charlton lead, and they deserve to be ahead. But that's a really poor clearance. And here's Kishishev charging through for Charlton. Johansson's on marks. Must be two 0 and it is a goal all of Manchester City's own making. Oh, that's a neat one too. And Robinson's in here. And is that a penalty? Yes, it is. Clive Wilkes pointed to the spot straight away. It's Graham Stewart against Nicky Weaver. Absolutely no problem. Another nice ball, here's Jensen. And it's coming back off him, and it's in! Weaver was off his line. It's a free goal, but it's four for Charlton. Fischer sends clearance, didn't go very far. Here's Huckabee. And that is a penalty to Manchester City. In injury time. So Dean Kylie has to face Huckabee himself. Well, comprehensively taken. 
There we have it, uh, Louis. That that uh, fourth goal. I genuinely, I have, I've, I think it's the the best goal I've ever seen, just for, purely for the freak nature of it. Yeah, it's, it, we, Charlton finally fulfilled a lifelong dream of uh, being on Question of Sports. What happened next with that goal? <laughs> uh, like Klaus Jensen. I mean, again, talking about Nicky Weaver, it's, it it did round off that that double header against Man City quite nicely. That he got beaten by one of the most bizarre goals you'll ever see, Klaus Jensen a bit of a loose touch in midfield and then charged down by one of the City players who booted it off Jensen's shin nearer the centre circle than the edge of the penalty area and it's just looped over Nicky Weaver who's completely stranded in into the back of the net in front of the Charlton fans it's just one of the most bizarre goals you've ever seen but you know it just sort of showed that the sort of luck that that, that Charlton had against City that season uh and particular against Nicky Weaver and they needed it that you, you mentioned they come off the back of that 5-0 defeat against West Ham on Boxing Day and I remember they'd only won one in five or six at that time and you know there's been a couple of times where I remember games up at, up at Main Road where Charlton had got a win just to arrest a bit of a slide uh and and that and that set them up nicely. They went on to beat Arsenal the game after as well. So it was it was just a morale boosting victory that they needed at that point. Yeah, Gary, there was a, a fellow that sat behind me at Main Road. Um, that uh, the, like it's really hard to describe on radio with like that goal in particular because it was there was a good. It must have been four or five seconds after Richard Dunn had booted that ball between it, it, it rising up, going over Weaver and dropping into the net. And still, while it was on its upward trajectory, the fellow behind me, um, who at the time would have been in about his mid-40s, so, uh, just said, completely deadpan, it's in. <laughs> and like we all just sat there and watched it, and it was like, it's in. And then two, three, four, crosses the line. There we go. And it's, I mean, at that point, I genuinely thought at that point, they're going down this season. There's no, there's no saving this team. Yeah, and the bloke behind you should be commentating on football now, shouldn't he? Because, <laughs> because he probably said more than a lot of people do. You commentate, you know. I, oh, yeah, this is this is one of those. It's a freak goal. Well, maybe not a freak goal, but it felt like that to us, obviously. Um, uh, we get our goal in the dying seconds of the of injury time. Really, um, it's just. It's just a, a, a miserable, miserable day. And, and for the same team to score four past you, that's, it, it, I mean, it wasn't, it, it wasn't even the end of the year, was it? It was 30th of December. So <laughs> four goals past you by the same team in, in, only the, in those opening months of the season. It tells you. It tells you what's happening. And, and George Weary, we talked about before, had gone now, completely gone. You know, thankfully, Goto go was in the t- back of his side and, and so on. Um, but, yeah, we'd, I, do you know what really... That, that season, and, and I know we've probably all talked about this, but we got promoted too soon back to Premier League, which, you know, I, I, you sort of, well, there's never too soon, is there? Yeah, but you, you're good enough to get promoted. You might not then strengthen in the way that you should, or you might not perform how you should, but it's never too soon. You know, you say that afterwards when you get relegated, don't you, but it was too soon. But we'd beat Everton, what, 5-0 only a few, a few weeks before that, earlier in December. And you sort of think... How can you go from beating Everton to lose, you know, five goals to 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 losing four one? Yeah, just... but I I would say I mean, Louis. It's uh, I was saying before about how uh, Charlton only scored four against one team that season, and that was City. I mean, uh, it, it might make you sound a little bit special, but there's you know the teams that scored four or more past City like that year included Leeds. You know, Arsenal did it. 
Um, West, West Ham, Ham managed it. Yeah, yeah there was there was like there's a long list of teams that year that gave City a battering. So don't by any means Arsenal. go away from this thinking you're special. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, uh, Arsenal did it as well, of course, didn't they? That was a you know it was a brilliant performance by Arsenal. But and by that time we were all sort of thinking, yeah, well, you know, at least it was Arsenal. <laughs> at least it was Arsenal who scored four passes. You know, a team that actually you expected to to have a tough game against. You know, some of the other games that we played. Yeah, we just yeah we just didn't perform did we yeah I mean even like even Ipswich Ipswich came up through the playoffs that year and, and give City a hiding twice and and then give them a hiding in the League Cup as well it's like, it, like honestly Louis I can't explain to you just how frustrating that year was having seen basically City as equals with the two sides that come up and then I think you guys um, you, like you said you got a top half finish I think Ipswich qualified for the for the UEFA Cup that year as well and it's yeah, like um... yeah. I remember Ipswich, yeah, being having an absolutely remarkable season that year, and 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 then fading away. I think they got relegated the season after, but yeah, it's it's very unusual to see. It, it was that was one of the things about when Charlton were in the Premier League. It was always quite nice uh, to see people being frustrated and beaten by teams like Charlton. You know, the, the likes of Charlton, you just don't expect it. And even even when we've been in the Championship recently, a couple of years ago, any team getting beaten at home by Charlton just finds it a bit embarrassing, and that <laughs> sort of add, add, adds adds to it adds to it for me. But now now we're in. League One, it's the other way around. Every time we drop points, it's like, for God's sake, we're playing Rochdale here. <laughs> yeah. So, so that where does that season stand for you in terms of uh, in terms of Charlton memories? Because obviously, like say, first year back up and getting a, a, a top top half finish. Yeah, it's it's considering you know the, the only other season we'd had in in the top flight in my lifetime it, uh, before that we got relegated. It really was just a a remarkable achievement and uh, you know a, a breakout season for Charlton and really uh, one of those where you felt they were starting to. Uh, really cement themselves as, as a proper Premier League established side and you know again if you think about everything that's gone on at Charlton over the last couple of years if you're well versed on, on the problems they've had with with the ownership it's remarkable to think that back then we were considered that model club that people people in the championship or who just come up to the Premier League wanted to go and do a Charlton and and be run sensibly and and within budget and with with a manager and Kerbis who'd been there for a very long time um, you know that that really was absolutely the glory days for for Charlton and then, then you know the outrageous fall we've had since then and obviously Man City very very much went the other way um, it just shows uh, it, it just shows it feels like almost a lifetime away now well there's a, there's a couple of things first of all I was going to say about um, Paolo Onechop uh, that season he was our top scorer uh, with about nine. I mean, it was nothing more than that. But he was in and out of favour. He kept being dropped. And, and it was one of those seasons where you sort of think, we, we didn't even have consistency of, of, of sort of selections, certainly in attack. Um, but the other thing I was going to say, really, was uh, about Charlton. You know, maybe because of that game in 85, I always had a bit of a soft spot for Charlton because, you know, being the age I am, I remember the, the, the fight for the Valley and all of all of that, that that went around that and the games being played at, at Sellers Park and all, all that sort of stuff. And when we get into, you know, 2000, I'd... They're the, they're the sorts of teams that City fans typically have a bit of a soft spot for. The sort of teams that, um, you know, the rest of football probably thinks, oh, you know, they're sort of punching above the weight or whatever. But for us, because we've been up and down, because we've had those struggles, we sort of really appreciate other teams that have had those moments. And it would have been great. Certainly, as you say, in, in 2000, you know, it did feel as if Charlton could be there for, for a long, long time, forever maybe. Um, sadly, these things don't happen. But you know, I think um, 
we were disappointed about how our season was, but I'd much prefer, I'd much prefer a top flight of teams like Charlton who are there and and enjoy being there and want to be there than teams that think it's their divine right to be there. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. But don't worry, it'll be over soon. We finish, as we always do on these shows, with an opposition hell choice. This comes from the show we did about games against Norwich, and it was picked by Canaries fan Chris Reeve. He, along with City fan Dan Burke, chatted about it with David Mooney. Chris, your hell selection, which uh, takes us back to the 29th of December 2012. Uh, it finished Norwich 3, City 4. Here's what happened. Checo! What a start for Edin Checo and Manchester City! It's taken him less than a minute and a half. We're queuing up now for City. And Checo has got his second. It's not easy for him. Four minutes gone. City, two up. It's Pilkington. Norwich have pulled a goal back. And it's the former Manchester United junior, Anthony Pilkington. Aguero there with Bassong. It's Aguero. It's a magnificent finish. A third for Manchester City. Down to ten men. Whipped in by Snodgrass. Bassong. Russell Martin. Norwich bounced back again. Jekka onside. It's a magnificent finish and it's gone in off the back of Mark Bunn. He will try and claim the hat-trick, but that has to go down as an own goal by Mark Bunn. Tight to Joe Hart, who hasn't got that. Kane's effort is blocked. Johnson! Norwich have pulled a goal back. Yet again, it's Russell Martin. So there we go, the topsy-turvy game that was Norwich 3, City 4 from uh, the 2012-13 season. Chris, uh, why is this one, uh, why, why did you pick this one out of, uh, out of any of them? Because uh, it's, as much, of it, as, much as um, it's only a narrow defeat, it was quite an entertaining game, wasn't it? Well, I've been a little bit tactical here, lads, I must say. You know, that Nor- you know Manchester City have absolutely steamrolled Norwich on so many occasions. So my, my, my hell, and it comes from the fact that, of course, it was a... It, it was a high-scoring defeat, you know. For Norwich City to score three goals against Manchester City, even back then, it shouldn't have happened for Man City. Um, but it was just, it was just heartache because we had one of those performances against one of the big boys. But unfortunately, you guys managed to finish the job off and 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 survive the the embarrassment. And um, look, that that day was. I remember it was it was uh, it was sleet. It was it was almost snowing and um, possibly really heavy rain. Um, we'll never forget um, Sebastian Bassong exchanging words with Nasri. He was getting very frustrated. Of course, he got sent off. And Norwich, as that commentary said, you know, Norwich just kept coming back. We kept coming back, and there was just this belief with the Norwich fans that we were going to do it. We were going to beat Man City, um, but it, but un, un, unfortunately, um, it, it wasn't to be. And, and Manchester City. Showed their class, but it, it was it was just very much a case of, of of proper heartache for Norwich City. You know what I love about that that commentary? I completely forgot um, that, that that was one of the games that, that Harry Kane played for Norwich yeah. City. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Harry Kane played for Norwich City. And I, I, I was, was going to say that it just out of nowhere. I was watching the highlights and I, and, and and the uh, the commentator said Kane, and I was like, what? He I, was I, 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 
Yeah, he was awful for us. Oh, seriously, lads, <laughs> he was awful for us. Um, yeah, every time he gets brought up now, we say, you know, he was made in Norwich. But yeah, no, he, he he had a stinker that day. He had a stinker against West Ham. Yeah, that's right. Harry Kane played for us. But no, I just remember, you know, the, the fact that Man City um, lost a man um, at 2-1 and you still managed to win it 4-3. It sort of rubbed salt in the wounds for, for the Canaries that day. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm guessing maybe it was frustration in that sense because you, you see your opposition. Okay, you've gone; they've gone two 0 up really early on. It was like four minutes or so in the game. You get back into it, and then at that point they have a man sent off. You're thinking this is this is here for the taking, and, ev- and every time you kind of come back into it, like Aguero, the, the Aguero goal is is incredible. How he how he yeah. finishes that off, and then uh, the Jacko one is just incredible. Bad luck that is that. I, I think uh, I think Mark Bunn actually saves it onto the post, and it hits the post, comes back off him and goes in. And you're kind of thinking maybe Lady Luck's not just uh, just not with us on on this occasion. Dan, how how much of this game do you remember? Because this is one of my favourite games of that twelve thirteen season. On the back of the fact that that City just. City didn't play well in a lot of games, and this was one of those games where they actually dug in and fought. Yeah, I remember it quite well. I mean, it was the, it was the season that we talked about earlier that, that culminated with the FA Cup final defeat and to Wigan and Mancini getting sacked. So I think the uh, the title race was almost as good as over at, at this point. It was The game was between Christmas and New Year, wasn't it? And I think it, the cracks were really beginning to show. I think the, the sort of tension between Mancini and the squad was starting to show. And it's funny, you watch the, I watched the goals back earlier and you, the, the first goal goes in after less than two minutes and Mancini's like stony-faced on the on the bench and you kind of think, is he has he already sort of like fallen out with a players at this point and <laughs> it's a bit weird to watch the, the goals back with um in the sort of uh, post VAR era actually because I think there was probably a touch of offside about Jekko's opener I think the second yeah, goal was a really yeah it was a really robust tackle from company that might have been pulled back uh in this day and age then Norwich get one back from a free kick there was never a foul from company yeah <laughs> It's a great tackle, that one. And then Nasri, well, Nasri gets sent off, doesn't he, for that uh, sort of, I won't call it a head, but what are we calling it, a head kiss or something with Sebastian Bassong. It's, <laughs> yeah. it, was, it, it was the most, the least violent headbutt I've ever seen, but, you know, by the letter of the law, probably, probably a red card. For, for me, like they're, then, uh, they're, all, all of those decisions are the, are the sorts of ones where the VAR looks at it and goes, nah, referee got it right. No matter what the referee yeah, gives, the referee got it right. And probably. it's like, come on, lads. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that, the Norwich uh, third goal was like proper pinball in the box, wasn't it, to set up a nervy finish? And you mentioned the the Jacko third one was a bit of, bit of a fluke as well. So I, it was an entertaining game for sure, but not a great deal of quality, I would I would have to say. Yeah, it's um, it, that. I mean, you stayed up again that season, uh, Chris, because I remember playing you with Pellegrini the next year. Um, was that was that still Chris Hooten at that point? Yeah, so that 2012-2013 season was was the season that we survived under Hewton. So the three of the games that we've discussed today were were all encompassing in that one, which was mental, really, considering, um, not sorry, not all three, two of them were, were, were in one. So, yeah, that we survived that season um, and we, we had some great players. You know, P- Pilkington was a player, of course, that scored in that game and um, had an absolute flyer. Also scored against Manchester United that season. So a proper, uh, kind of a nice throwback, really. I know, I know I've I know I've said this is my my game from hell, um, but but I must say and must emphasise for for a club like like Norwich to score three at home to Man City is uh, is actually a pretty good achievement, really. That brings this New Year's special to a close. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed it then it's just a little sprinkling, a little flavour of what you'll get every Monday throughout the season as part of our Patreon bonus episodes. 
You can get access to them by signing up at patreon.com slash blue moon podcast. It's as little as £2 a month and you can listen to the bonus episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your usual podcast app. If you do sign up, you'll also get each episode of the main show every Thursday night or Friday morning completely ad-free. Have a happy new year, everyone. All the best for 2024. And do join us again at the end of the week to preview the FA Cup tie with Huddersfield. Oh,